0: So here we are again, another episode of the Frank Warren Heavyweight Podcast, and it doesn't get better than this, does it, Mr. Warren? When we're out in Las Vegas, you spent a little bit of time with this man, and you were quite pleasantly uh, impressed with him. I certainly was. I've met him a
1: few times now, and he impresses me each time I meet him. He's a very dynamic character. He's... uh built a sport you know build a business and a sport in in 20 years to become one of the major sports in the world the UFC and his name is Dana White
0: I've got to bring something up, Denner, that I was unaware of. Obviously, before uh, this conversation started two minutes ago, Frank's just informed me that last time we were in Las Vegas for Wilder versus Fury, you stood this man up for the president. Is that right? Is that what happened on the, on a the Wednesday? You were booked in for a little bit of
2: dinner, and it all went because the president came calling. Uh, yeah, no, we, I didn't stand him up. We just we just moved our, uh, our our day over. We we had breakfast together instead. We had breakfast the next day. <laughs> <laughs> you, uh, you
1: what were, a terrible thing to get stood up for the president, to get moved for the president of the United States. I mean, <laughs>
0: <laughs> Danny, you've I obviously got a great relationship you. with the president, but Frank, you've come across uh, Mr. Trump on a couple of occasions. I mean, he's been at several of your frights over in the states, and I think you put a show on at Atlantic City that he uh, that he hosted for you.
1: Yeah, we did a show at the uh, Trump Tower many years ago, or well, Trump. Accomplished one was the Trump Casino in uh, Atlantic City. That's that was in the uh, 90s, and uh, and he also I remember I remember him specifically coming to uh, Nas's fight when Naz fought um, Kevin Kelly at Madison Square Gardens. He was at that show. He's been to, you know he's a boxing fan. He's a massive martial arts and boxing fan, and uh, and uh, which is great to have someone in that position supporting our sports. But um. Yeah, he's been he's been at a few shows. Met him a few times. But not I don't know him as he's well. As, uh, I've never been on the I've never been on the presidential plate. I've never
2: been on that. <laughs> no. He's a massive <laughs> fight. All he wants to do is talk about fights. Then he helped
0: out the UFC early doors, didn't he? I mean, we're obviously going to be speaking about your life story and obviously your world getting involved in, in fight promoting. But right at the start when, I, when you and the Fatitas took over the UFC and you were looking for sites to to, to put your events on, it was Donald Trump that put his hand up and said, "Hey man, I'll help you out."
2: Yeah, so uh, he reached out and said, "Come to the Trump Taj Mahal, and I'd uh, love to have you do a fight here." And not only did he have us come over there, he showed up for the first fight of the night and stayed till the end. He did that for three of our fights. He showed up and would you know watch all the fights and ended up becoming a a huge fan. And and, and even now, you know, I'll I'll uh, I'll I'll have a fight on a Saturday night. And Monday, I'll get a call that'll say, you know, Mr. White, it's the White House. Can you take a call from the president? And he literally wants to talk about what happened on Saturday night. And uh, we talk we talk about fights nonstop. That is crazy, man. Frank, does that happen to you? Does the prime minister give you a ring after uh, after every boxing event? I bet he has. I'll bet that's happened to you before. Yes or no? No, I told you the other week... I've
1: only, I've never had one for the president, but I've had, I've had a call, I told you, I had a call from Nelson Mandela's office and I went to South Africa, which I think I mentioned to you last week, um, after Sugar Boy Malinga beat Nigel Bennon. Within 36 hours, I was in, uh, Mr. Mandela's
2: house, which was quite a thrill for me. That's pretty badass too. Who else after a big fight has reached out to you to talk about a fight? Um, not, uh, no.
1: Uh, let me think. Bit. I mean, over the years, we've had calls from you know people at Downing Street, especially when the elections are coming up, asking for help and if we would help them on the election trail from both sides, both parties. Um, Tony Blair hosted us at Downing Street when we, uh, when Michael Watson, who, who tragically got injured against uh, Chris Eubanks many years ago, and um, we did a fundraiser, and he was very supportive about that, and they were very supportive. David Cameron when, when the uh, British, British. Uh, services fought the American Marines. We did a boxing show at the Albert Hall and uh, they've done a reception for us in Downing Street. So, yeah, they've been, but you know, they're very kind to boxing. They've
2: been very, very kind to boxing. I can't complain. I agree. Now, that's awesome. It's cool to hear these stories.
0: No, absolutely. Frank, when we were speaking last, obviously you were over but, in but, Vegas but, and, you, but, and you caught up with Dana and Dana very kindly took you on a little bit of a tour of the PI and things like that. And you were. You're quite blown away with the facilities that they've set up over in Las Vegas.
1: I was more than blown away. It's one of the most, well, probably the most impressive fight setup I've ever seen. Um, the facility is amazing, and all credit to Dana and his his foresight and vision to where what he's what he where he started from with USC to to where he's got it to. And I mean, it's an amazing situation that he's got going there. And when you think of, um, I mean, everybody everybody thinks about boxing. They think about just gyms and that. When you look at the the other stuff he's got going on there you know with with the uh, with the sort of health for the health of the uh, martial arts fighters you know when you look at the, uh, the and that they've got virtually an operating theater in there and he's got nutritionists there and he's got accommodation there in the studio there it's just one of the most amazing things and i would think a ufc fighter who trains there must be very very privileged to do so because they're treated like royalty there's no doubt about it and you think of, you know, in that short space of time, where UFC has come from being, you know, a, a, an idea in somebody's head to where he's, where where Dana has taken it to, and his team to being, the, you know, a massive, massive brand in the world. I mean, the UFC is a is a is a brand, a big, big brand. It's bigger than all the participants, and you, you know, absolute credit to Dana for his foresight and vision to to take it where he's got it to, and he's still trying to make it even bigger which uh, is something amazing.
0: Thank you, sir. Then was that always the thought? I mean, we've both been lucky enough to go to the PI and the Apex and everything that you're doing there. We know that you're doing lots in China as well, in Shanghai, and looking to set some stuff in the Middle East. But when you started out, 2001, with the Fatitas, buying this this brand, was this always in your mind of where it was going to go? Or are you just rolling constantly?
2: We believe that this thing could be big and it it, <clears throat> it could be global. You know, but at the beginning we were just trying to figure out how to how to make money at this (laughs) you know these things about you know an an apex and and a pi and stuff like that we were just trying to figure out how how to make this thing work how to make money and how to get it on television and get it exposed to the to the masses because we believed that people would like it as much as we do
0: I mean, to go from buying it for two million dollars to selling it for just over four billion dollars, it just went through the roof. It was astronomical that that period before the sale a couple of years ago.
2: Yeah, um, it, uh, yeah, it was crazy. The whole sale thing sort sort of snuck up on me. I, I, I wasn't really ready for it. Um, but Lorenzo was ready to Lorenzo was ready to get out. so um, it, it it was kind of a bittersweet thing for me. You know, the guys that I'd been with for 25 years, my buddies, we were having a blast. And, you know, um, you know, it was it was it was a weird thing for me. Very, very, very weird. The whole sale. Obviously, it was great. Making money is always is always good. But uh, I I was loving the ride more than the money.
1: Where did you get the idea, Dana, to get involved? I mean, where did it come from to, you know, because I know you're a massive but a massive boxing fan, but where did it come from that you actually wanted to become involved
2: in the UFC? So what happened was one weekend Frank Fertitta and I were out at the Hard Rock Hotel and Casino here in Vegas and uh, <clears throat> we saw this guy named John Lewis who had fought in the UFC before. And was a he was actually the first guy to have a jujitsu school here in Las Vegas. <clears throat> so Frank said to me, I've always wanted to learn the ground game. So I said, I know this guy. So we went over and we started talking to him And we set up an appointment for Monday morning to train with them. And me, Frank and Lorenzo went and did our first jujitsu lesson at our gym at at Fertitta Enterprises. And uh, that was the end of it, man, we were hooked. We fell in love with it. We started training three, four days a week. Uh, Through John Lewis, we started to meet a lot of the fighters and we were blown away by these fighters. We were impressed by them. They were smart guys. Um, They were very normal, not what you would expect an ultimate fighter to be. Um, And it's the weirdest thing ever. I, I started to manage Tito Ortiz and Chuck Liddell and I got into this huge contract battle with the old owner of the UFC over Tito's contract. And you know how the managers are, you keep pushing, pushing, pushing. And finally he fucking blew up and said, that's it. There is no more fucking money. That's all there is. I might not even have enough money to put on the next event. And I was like, oh, God damn. So I, I hung up the phone and I called Lorenzo. He was in Miami. And I said, the UFC is in big trouble. I think they're going out of business. And I think we could buy it. And I think we should. And that started the negotiation. And a couple months later, we owned the UFC. That's amazing, and it's, it's another
1: thing that I, you know, which 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 um, obviously has changed a lot from your business was the fact that the original participants, the original guys who got involved, they came from various martial arts or boxing backgrounds, and that's that was was the nucleus of your of your, of the guys who were, who were getting into the uh, octagon. But now there are people taking up UFC as as a sport rather than coming from another another martial art. So that must be a a real significant change for you. And obviously these guys starting at day one from UFC must make, you would think would turn them into
2: more of a accomplished UFC fighter as they're doing it from a much younger age. You're absolutely right. And, you know, Frank, when you and I were kids, your parents would put you into Taekwondo or karate or something like that. Now these kids these days are taking mixed martial arts. That's the new martial art that men, women, and children all over the world are taking. And you're absolutely right. What it does is it educates them about the sport. How do you not get into it then? You know what I mean?
1: You know, in boxing, having an undefeated record is a big thing. But UFC, that's not the case, is it? You make the matches, a guy get beat, and they're back in there. And, it's <clears> the, you know, you 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 make those fights. I mean, you know, with with uh, with McGregor, he's lost a few fights, but he's, he's still top of the tree. And the fans still love him. He's still a massive... Ad- massive sporting star what 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 do you see as a difference there what what why does that work say for UFC and it doesn't work for boxing
2: because boxing has done this thing for such a long time where they keep the best away from the best as long as possible um so that they can keep those undefeated records if you make it to, to if you're a world champion in the UFC you have fought straight killers your entire career. You really are the absolute best in the world. Um, so when you get up into that top five range, any, any night of the week, any of those guys can beat each other. It's just they're all that good. There's so many different ways to win and lose in this sport. Um, and people respect the fact that the best always fight the best. That's why I don't need any sanctioning bodies. The questions have already been answered. People know you fought Murderer's Row to become the world champion. And if you can stay undefeated, that's the thing. Undefeated records really mean something in this sport. You know, Habib, the fight that we're making here pretty soon, Habib versus Tony Ferguson. Habib is 29-0, and and that's fucking legit. He has fought everybody and beat everybody. And uh, up until... A couple of fights ago, he hadn't lost a round, let alone a fight. And, that, and that, that, that's
1: an amazing situation, to get, you know, to get, it so you, so it's not even a question of building. It's not like, you know, with a boxer, you want them to learn their craft, their career, so you put them into matches, to, so they learn and learn and bring them through. Whereas you still, you're saying, well, your are guys, you more or less say, right, come on, you, you get it on straight away. Right, the best once you class, get the best here, straight
2: away. right. Once you get to the UFC, you're, you're fighting the absolute best in the world. And that's why, you know, our guys, when they get to a certain age and a certain level, they're ready to go fight for other other organizations because they know they don't belong here anymore. It's hard to stay here. To make it into the top ten in the UFC, very, very few people do it. To make it into the top five is super rare. And to become a world champion in the UFC is is extremely hard to do.
0: Then, what would you add to boxing, Then, I mean, I know that you flirted with it. You've spoken about it with Zuffer Boxing and things like that. How, how would you change boxing for the better?
2: So, so last October, uh, not last October, last summer, I told everybody that in October I was going to hold a press conference, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, because I was going to get into boxing. And I started to do, you know, all my due diligence and started to work. Many, many promoters from around the world reached out to me, including that's how... Frank and I met, and, and um, I was so excited to meet Frank because he's such a legend in the sport and, and you know, has done so many of the big fights. And uh, I got to meet a lot of people that I grew up you know, um, envying. So it, it, was, it was pretty cool. And, but I, I didn't realize, I knew, but you don't really know till you get in it, how fucked up this sport really is. Um, this sport is an absolute fucking shit show. And, you know, as I talked, especially a guy like Frank with as much knowledge, not only of, of the sport of boxing and the business of boxing, but the people that are involved in, in the sport of boxing too. Um, so, you know, all the different guys that I got to talk to from Warren to DiBella, um, you know, um, of all the, all the greats that have ever done it in the sport of boxing and, I realized how fucking bad this thing really was. And instead of diving in head first, I've been taking my time and it seems like the, 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 the more the sport continues to go on, the more fucked up it becomes. uh, (laughs) It's, 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 it's hard to articulate to you how truly messed up this, this whole, this whole thing is. And, uh, there are, there are in, things- in what way? From from a financial point of view, from uh, from the way that business is done. What what would you, what every do you- way shape and literally everything about this business is a mess. And you, you know th- there are some things that I know are the problem in the United States. Um, and I get it because the U.S. the U.S. is where all the money is. If you can get a guy who can break into the U.S. and become a big star here. Right? Mm -hmm. There's a lot of pay-per-view money here. There's a lot of uh, subscription money over here. Whatever the deal is, the money is over here. But Mm -hmm. I truly believe that boxing has become a very European sport. It's become very European. And I also believe that some of these fights that just happened, like Deontay Wilder and Fury, that fight should have been in the UK. Okay? And this is my opinion. I'm not shitting on anybody here. That fight should have been in the UK. I think you would have done 100,000 people at Wembley or one of these big stadiums. Um, And I still think you would have pulled a decent number in the US if the fight was done the wrong way. The problem is there's so many different people involved. And I I learned this with the Mayweather-McGregor fight. I mean, I think that it's pretty incredible how well we work together for Mayweather McGregor, but I couldn't do all the things that I wanted to do in that fight because there, there were too many people involved. There were a lot of people involved in, in, in Wilder versus Fury. And Frank, I mean, I don't want to put you in a position where you got to fucking step on any toes or slap anybody in the head either, but um, you know, you know more than me. I think I think the thing is, the, the
1: point you make about box, and I can hear where you're coming from with it. I think what the problem is, because, it's, first of all, the sports are, is, you know, is one of the original sports from the Olympic Games, going back to the, you know, the ancient, ancient times when it first started in Athens. But you take it through to where it's been in the last probably uh, 60, 70 years and moving through since the advent of television, is the fact that you've got different promoters and it's not one business. Like UFC, UFC is the equivalent of the same being a, a WBO or a WBC. They're their own sanctioning body. But what you've got, you've got various promoters, and in the states, for example, you've got Al Heyman, who works exclusively with um, Showtime and Fox. Then you've got Bob Arum's with ESPN, and and you know a couple of years ago you had uh, people working with HBO as well. So they got to satisfy their broadcasters, and it's the same in the UK. In the UK, the principal players in the UK are BT and Sky. So. You've got matram on one side and me on the other, so you, you your network you 've got to look after because you've got to, obviously you're running a business, so it gets fragmented in that, from that respect. however, we do work hard I know I do I work hard to try and make some of these big fights happen and the reason there was a lot of people involved obviously in, 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 in getting tyson 's fight the Tyson fight on we got the first fight on and getting the second one together was very important to us in the way we went about it and building tyson's profile and I would have preferred the fight. Absolutely, to have been in the UK, but it was in it was over in the states. And the reason it was there because the pay per view is what, as as as, um, as Dana was just saying, is is, the, is is big money in the states. They charge anything between seventy five to hundred dollars a pop to to watch it, which is far more money than they charge in the UK. But it was getting the best. We actually did get the best fighting the best. We did manage to get. Deontay Wilder, who was undefeated, you know, forty-two and O, whatever he was, and Tyson, lineal champion, undefeated. We managed to get them between the sins of the ring, and that's great. And we and we're going to get we're going to get the rematch on, which we we got we got to service that contract. And if Tyson comes through it, we then get and 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 obviously if uh, um, if he keeps winning Anthony Joshua, then there's another big fight that you can make. But it's up to us to get together as a sport and make these happen because at the end of the day. It's all about the fans. It's delivering the fans what they want. And we're, you know, we're coming, way, coming around to that way of thinking. Another fight like we've made in, we've made in the UK, unfortunately, has been postponed till July, which was uh, Daniel Dubois against uh, Joe Joyce. Two very young guys. Do it, we're doing a UFC. We're putting them together at a very young age or or very young stage in their career and putting them on. And they're putting it all on the line. And I think that that's what we've got to do for the fans. I think that's where we need to be going. And I think that, you know, we need collectively as a sport to start looking, looking to be smarter. And even if we've got to sit down all together and cooperate to make it happen, I don't know how it's going to be, it'd be an interesting meeting if it ever did happen, but that's something we've got to do where, 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 where Dana has been successful is developing his own sport as such. And, being and UFC being in being the, their own sanctioning body and they do it very, very well. So they, 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 they you know, they've got, got to that stage where they can make these things happen. And the guys, the guys have been brought up with that mentality, they've got a fight established straight away. And
2: mm-hmm. that's
1: what he does, and he does it very well and very successfully. And we should learn some of the things from what he does.
2: And, and what Frank said is true is, is that when you look at the UFC, you know, we're, we're a league like the NFL. Like FIFA, like, you know, so when we make decisions, you know, the decision is made. And that's that's the direction that everybody goes in. The other problem that I had with the first of all, that fight should have been in England. Let me start there. You're asking me my opinion. I'm just giving you my opinion going to piss off a ton of people. But here we go. So the, the fight should have been in England. And one of the things that you have to do is you have to give the fans an experience that they want to come back and, and, and do again. That's the other thing that boxing does. You know, Frank Warren gets a block of tickets. Then then a Fox gets a block of tickets. ESPN gets a block of tickets. Aram's looking for his tickets. Then Deontay Wilder gets tickets. And, you know, and and, and everybody's, they're all trying to sell their own fucking tickets. And, 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 and it's just an absolute fucking nightmare, right? And I just don't think that if you went to that fight live, you got the, the experience that you got if you watched it on television. And, um, you know, that's one of the things that I make sure never happens. We have two events that we produced that night. We have the live event there for the fans who actually spent the most money to buy the tickets, fly from somewhere, stay in a hotel, eat. Those people are spending more money than the people that are spending the $100 for the pay-per-view or whatever it is, right? But I think the people who were there, it was a very exciting
1: fight. And I think were, there was a tremendous atmosphere and certainly as far as Tyson supporters, the Brits, they had a brilliant time. Obviously, because he won, but it was a, it was it was a, you know, it really was 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 a, was a great night for him. But I mean, I did I didn't know that Daniel. I didn't know it was how bad that was for you. And uh, obviously, that that's no good. And again, if it's for anybody in ta- inside the arena, the arena, that's not a good thing. So let so, me ask so you that, a question: the the, yeah. the the virus and the problems it's giving everybody <laughs> in the sport and everybody around the world, and uh, and your your you, you're determined to put your show on on the is it 18th of April. What What do you see as the challenges of doing that?
2: <laughs> the challenges are that every time I get something figured out, I wake up the next day and the world has completely changed again. And everything that I worked hard on the day before, me and my crew has now fallen apart. It literally just happened to us again today. I mean, I woke up today and and uh, Habib nemergametov is in Russia. And they just shut down all travel in and out of Russia. Correct. Yeah. That's
1: like, I, I think it's like everything, but this. I mean something happens every day. But obviously, you know, from our perspective, look, you know the fighters that we're involved with, that we promote. Um, you know, obviously the guys who the guys who, done, who do really well got money. The ones who are low, you know, are lower down the food chain or just starting out. They, they, they depend on this. So they obviously want to fight. And we would obviously and the public want to be entertained. I'm sure at the moment everybody certainly in this country and most countries in Europe uh, are locked down. They can't go out. So you're watching the television, you're online doing something. So it would be great to get something together. But the problem is how you staff the event, how you do it with doctors, ambulances, all the safety aspects, aspects of it, how you police it and that, that, that's the challenge to do it unless you can go to somebody somewhere like where Russia, where it weren't so affected or well, they didn't have the big, big effect but obviously they've done the right thing in their mind now shutting down their borders because of this terrible epidemic that's, uh, that's out there.
2: Yeah. So I, what's
1: your next move? So what's the next move now? What,
2: what do you think? I woke up, up this morning and the whole world fucking changed again so back to the drawing board and we're figuring this out right now As we're speaking right now, I have people working on this thing as we speak. So, listen, I am absolutely fucking relentless. And I said that this fight is going to go on and it will. And, uh, you know, when you're talking about ambulances and safety and all that stuff, just like you saw when you came out here um, to the the PI and all that stuff, we go overboard with everything all the time. I mean, think about this in the 20 years – This thing's been going for almost 25 years, but in the 20-year history that I've been involved, and before me, there's never been a death or serious injury. That's crazy. I mean, cheerleading can't say that, all right? And we we go completely overboard with with health and safety, even before the coronavirus. So the the health and safety part is nothing new to us. Uh, It's now just trying to be able to maneuver as the world continues to freak out and lose their mind over this, this coronavirus stuff. Um, all my fighters want to fight. My staff wants to work. Um, you know, everybody who's involved in what I'm doing is absolutely willing and, 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 and able to, to do this. And the thing is with my fighters is when they're with me, they're getting the best medical attention they could possibly get. I mean, the, you know, better than if they were home, Alone by themselves, or, or or whatever their situation is, and I've reached out to everybody, not just my, my employees that work for me, but my, my fighters too. If them or a loved one becomes ill and needs me, I'm here. I will I will do everything in my power to help and take care of them. So that's that that that's a given always. And um, this fight will go on.
1: Uh, I remember years ago. I don't know if it's a, a thing. To, I, remember, I remember going back to the seventies and dunking, King did a a heavyweight competition on an aircraft carrier. I think it was an aircraft
2: carrier. Yeah. Um, We've been talking about that. I haven't haven't resorted to that yet, but uh, (laughs) that's probably coming soon. (laughs)
1: <laughs> it's very or alcatraz or something i'm sure I've quite <laughs> that'd be a great setting for it i don't know but it's it's very difficult isn't it to fight as you say i know you're relentless and i know you're determined to do it but it's very difficult to find the to be able to you know to find a place to do this and make it happen that's got all the facilities and the infrastructure to do it i mean okay. you can build studios you can put all the tv crews in and so forth but it's the rest of the, the stuff that goes with it and right. it's and and all I mean and the problem you got like we've got here we can't run anything because obviously the commission is not sanctioning anything they're not supplying the, the, the officials and the doctors and I think that's the same
2: certainly in Vegas and a few of the other states out there I mean Vegas is shut down completely hasn't it well so, well the other thing is that that a lot of these media guys are absolute and total fucking scumbags and uh, you know as soon as you let them know what you're doing. All they're trying to do is fuck up everything that you've worked. So I literally told every one of these guys to go fuck themselves. And I'm not telling any of them what I'm doing, where I'm doing it. But know this, the fight is happening April 18th, somewhere on planet fucking Earth. And when you need to know, I'll let you know.
1: <laughs> but that is a problem in the age we live in. Whatever you're doing, I mean, we're, I mean this is a particularly very sensitive time for for, for where we are as a a nation but there's no doubt about it that um in certainly there's no secrets kept you speak to somebody next minute it's on the internet or they're tweeting it or whatever and that stops a lot of things from happening that you try to do which is a great shame
2: yeah a lot of these media guys you know yesterday they came i haven't laid any of my employees off and I'm not laying anybody off we're going to we're going to get through this together and we're going to figure this out which is a good thing you would think that people would think that was a good thing you have some of these Gummy, slimy, weasel motherfucking media guys out there literally saying So the other half of our company, Endeavor, laid some people off. So this guy wrote a story for Forbes. You would think that a story in Forbes would be correct and there would be fact checking and all this other kind of stuff. No, he wrote Dana White was gloating about not uh, laying people off and now he has to lay people off. No, I'm not. No fact-checking, no, no, no calls, no nothing. Basically, this guy wrote a story that was false, that I was laying people off, And he was happy about it. He was happy about it. He was excited that he could write a story that I was going to take jobs away from people, and it wasn't fucking true. You're a piece of shit. And these are the type of people that we're dealing with in the media these days. It's unbelievable. It's It's, it's disgusting. I think that's I mean just we're in the same you. i mean we we've, we've
1: not we we certainly wouldn't lay any of our guys off. they've been with some of them have been with us for like thirty years, so, so that would never happen but they' it's a it's a fact though they look for the bad rather than the good. It's a better story for you to say you're laying everybody off than you're keeping them in work. i don't why that's a better story I've got right. no idea, especially as in this country, so many people have been you know unfortunate people who have lost their jobs they've been laid off. You know, they're terrible times for their family. So why would you be happy about somebody else,
2: you know, apparently doing that? It don't make, it no sense to it at all. These creepy fucking weirdos in the media love it. They, they love it. I've never seen such sick, twisted individuals in my entire life as the people who consider themselves media these days. It's unbelievable. No, that's not good. So let's talk about some nicer <laughs> things. I'm very
1: impressed with the, I was very impressed with the artwork you had at your office. I mean, obviously uh, you're a massive fan of Damien Hurst who's also a massive fan of UFC. What, 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 how did you get involved in the art aspects of, of uh, well, how did you get involved with Damien, first
2: of all? So first of all, the Fertitas introduced me to the art world. Um, and the Fertitas and, and Damien Hurst have an incredible relationship. They actually built. They bought the Palms uh, here in Las Vegas, and I don't know why they didn't name it the Damien Hurst Hotel. <laughs> they they kept the name the Palms. There's a Damien Hurst suite where, like, all of, of Damien's art is there. Right when you walk in to the place, it's all Damien Hurst. I mean, Damien Hurst is all over this place. The statue by the pool is Damien Hurst. Um, they're huge Damien Hurst fans, and they are the ones that turned me on to him. And he's British, by the way, everybody listening. One of, he's one of us.
0: <laughs> <And he's- laughs> you've got some amazing pieces, though, Denner, in your office. You've got some sensational pieces. Thank you.
1: Thank you. Yeah. Um... So, so, so let me ask you a question. A question. So you've got a tank of formaldehyde, a big tank of formaldehyde. There's no shark in it. Who would you
0: put in it? <laughs> He's putting all the media in it. What are you asking him that for, man? That journalist,
2: yeah, yeah. We're gonna throw some select journalists right in that tank immediately. Bad, bad guys going right to the Shark Tank. And you're
1: obviously a very big uh Mike Tyson fan, you've always been a big, big supporter and big uh fan of his from his younger days what's it what it's a silly question what what's what turned you on to watching mike tyson not that he wasn't exciting or anything
2: (laughs) yeah i love everything about tyson tyson is so honest so real so um you know and 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 one of the most dynamic and exciting fighters of my generation um you know uh, when boxing was really booming you know the mike tyson era was massive and, and and so much fun, and and, and uh you know, I, I I don't know if I showed you. I'm pretty sure that I did, but I have that Frank Warren promoted Tyson fight, that massive poster, and the credential in my gym. Uh, I love uh, you know Tyson, Ali, Bruce Lee are my three guys. So what's the fu- what's the future now?
1: Besides the 18th of April, what's the future? Where yep. we what where do you where do you see? Where do you see Dana White and UFC in, say, a year, two years'
2: time? Where, where, where would you like it to be, and what do you see happening? You know what? That's probably the, the smartest question to ask today is, what's the future? What's the future for all of us with what's going on right now? This thing is, is like nothing I've ever seen before. And, and I never thought I'd th- you know, right now the Las Vegas Strip is shut down. No casinos yeah. are open. They're all dark. You know, it's, it's a very weird time in, in the world right now. How long is it going to be that we're going to be locked down and quarantined? How long is it going to be when we come out that we can start having fans and crowds again and 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 get back to normal life? I'm one of these type of people that instead of hiding from this thing and 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 whatever, I want to find solutions. How do we beat this thing? You know, we we need to get these uh these really smart people out there, I'm not one of them, but we need to find these smart people out there to figure this type of shit out. And uh, and instead of hiding from this, I get it, I'm doing what I'm told, I'm in my house, I've been locked down, and, and we're trying to, uh, to, to to stop this thing from spreading uh, you, you know, with the potential that this thing has to spread. But let's start figuring out how do we beat this thing and how do we get back to normal and start living our normal lives again? And, and then the, the question is, Frank, What's normal? What is normal going to be one or two years yeah. now compared to what we, we knew was normal uh, a week ago, 10 days ago? I, I don't know the answers to those questions, but I, I'm, 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 I'm not going to be afraid to be the first guy to jump back out and start getting shit together again. Start putting on fights, start, start putting on sporting events that you can watch on TV or on pay-per-view. Um, It has nothing to do. Everybody, you know, I did an interview with CNN a a week ago, and and they said, you're being called the poster boy for corporate greed. That's nothing to do with fucking corporate greed. I don't even need to do this shit anymore. I do this because I fucking love it. I do this because this is what I believe I was put on earth to do. It's what gets me up in the morning and excites me. Um, and, And I'm doing what I believe should be done. We need to get back. Guys should be playing basketball right now, okay? Don't have any fans. Limit the amount of people that are around the court. Make sure that these guys are healthy and, 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 and good to play. Something's going to kill us, Frank. I'm probably going to have a fucking heart attack in the neck. The coronavirus is going to kill me before I hit the fucking coronavirus. Okay? Um, you know Something's going to fucking get us eventually. Is it going to be a car accident, heart disease, cancer? One of these things, it's never fun to talk about death, but we're all gonna fucking die eventually. If the coronavirus is what it is, it's gonna be for me, then so be it, you know what I mean? But I don't wanna stop living and I don't wanna hide in my house till fucking August. All right, I- I'm ready to get rolling here and try to figure this thing out.
1: I'm sure he will do, there's no doubt about that. And it's, uh, it's gonna. And, and listen, Vegas and Nevada, certainly Vegas gonna need all the, all the help it can. Once it opens up again, same as the rest of the world, we're 100%. going to need to be doing this. People have got to be employed. We've got to get people back, you know, back out there. But obviously, we're in the hands of the scientists and, and their advice. And their advice at the moment is what it is. But we've got to beat this. And as you say, um, something's going to get you in the end. Let's just hope it's not going to be this. And we're all we can all move forward. Everybody into a hopefully in the next six months, this is all gone and behind us, and uh, there is something different. But we've got there's a lot of recovery to be made and and the worry is people being unemployed and getting their jobs back and things like that. You know, they're, they're big. They're worrying times for the average person. Very worrying times.
2: I'm no genius, and I, and I don't have all the answers to this thing. But you have to believe that if you have healthy individuals, the proper medical attention and medical staff on site, and you do this thing the right way, you could put on a healthy event without infecting other people if it's done the right way. Let's figure that out. And that's what I'm working on right now. Um, and again, I'm not going to say too much about what I'm doing and how I'm doing it because I, I don't trust these and not to mention the fact that there's nothing to write about right now. You know, there's literally nothing to write about. So, you know, these guys will put a spin on anything I say or do, but I don't give a fuck. I'm going to keep moving forward. And I'm going to do exactly what I want to do. And, and, and you, all you have to know is that I'm going to do everything the right way over the top, no matter what it costs, to make sure that everybody who's involved in this thing is healthy and safe. Cool. Well, let's keep our fingers crossed. That's going to be the case. Thank you, sir. Top man?
0: Dana, thank you so much for your time. Adam. What a conversation. You two right. absolute superstars. Yeah, thanks
2: for having me, guys. Frank, it's always an honor, my friend. And Dana, sir.
1: Honour having you on here, and it's great to speak to you. And keep healthy, keep safe and well, you and your family and
2: everybody who's involved with you. You too. Tell your son I said hi.
0: Every time I speak to Dana, he's never backwards in coming forwards. What are your takeaways from that conversation there, Frank?
1: Well, he is. He's very full fright, as you know, and he he speaks very... um, you know, he's very candid about Harry Fields. There's a couple of things in there, you know, which I, I was a little bit, um, you know, disappointed from his behalf that he had a bad experience in the fight. You know, I've got to say, the people I've worked worked with in boxing mostly have been positive. You know, they've looked after us. I mean, obviously, it's difficult when you've got a lot, a lot of people involved in a promotion, but the success and the feedback, and um, from the the love and the TV experience uh, from Tyson and Wilder's fight was, was amazing. I mean, it was a real feel-good factor, certainly for British boxing. And it was, you know, great working with, you know, with Top Rank and with uh, Al Heyman's company and, uh, and MTK and getting the whole thing together. And I'm looking forward to working in the,
2: in the future. You know, and when he
1: says, like, boxing being fucked up, it, I, I hear where he's coming from, you know. But I've, you've got to remember, I've been doing this for a long time mm. and I'm used to the way it is. So I don't. I look at it from the inside rather than the outside. And it's not it's not perfect, but time and time again, events generate record revenues. Boxers are some of the highest-paid athletes in the world, and regularly, you know, boxers top the the, you know or in the Forbes list of the highest-paid guys. So, you know, the big fights obviously have to get made for those events to happen. It's not always perfect, but there are lessons we can learn for USC, and and as a collective, we can work to deliver to the fans because they're the ones who matter.
0: And one of the big pluses is that we're talking about a fight where the best did fight the best, where we've got Wilder and Fury in the same ring together. And hopefully we get more of those in the in the not too distant future.
1: Well, you know, we've got the rematch, but then again, and then hopefully Tyson comes through that. And then you've got Tyson against AJ, which is arguably the two biggest attractions in UK sport. Hmm. I mean, you, you you again, that's another one. It's fragmented, but it's opportunistic, and everybody's sensible. I'm sure we can get that fight done, but Tyson's got to get through the rematch, first of all. But, you know, Dana's is a hugely successful, great promoter. But boxing has some great promoters as well. You know, Bob Arum over the years has stood the test of time. He's been doing it. He's a doyning of the promoters. You know, Heyman's doing brilliant. Al Hayman's doing well. I've never met him, but he's doing well. Shelley, Shelley Finkel, you know, who, who works with him. He's be, he's a friend and he's helped to deliver some great fights with him. You know, we've delivered events with Bob, with uh, you know, with Tyson, with Carl Frampton. And we did uh, uh, Selby and DeGaulle with, she- with Shelley and Heyman and obviously, you know, these things do work and it's just, uh, it's, it's, it's times when you need to work with Joe, it's times when you don't because you've got your own interest, but you know, with, with, um, with the difference I say with USC. USC is what it is. It is a business model, but then they don't work with other MMA, MMA, MMA companies, do they? So no. you know, <laughs> it is what it is. But you know, it's, it was, it was really good to speak with him. As I say, I've got, I've got a massive respect for him a massive time for him. And, uh, and I, I, I'm sure he's proud, of, of, very proud of what he's done and what he's built. And with the, working with IMG as well, it's got to be, a, it can only get bigger, as I said, and better.
0: There you go. Another episode in the can. Make sure you subscribe to the podcast. You can do it on iTunes or via Acast. And make sure you leave a lovely little review for us because it helps us with our visibility in the iTunes chart. Get stuck into that and we'll have another episode for you next week.